Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, the podcast about music, news, and interviews. I am Brian. And I'm Lizzie. We are talking about emo music. We're talking about emo stuff. We're talking about emo people. We're talking about emo ideas. Adjacent. (laughs) On this episode, we have our review of Anne Berlin's album, Never Take Friendship Personal, as part of our series of going through all the records that are being played at When We Were Young Fest. And we also have an interview with the band Teens in Trouble. Yes. And here's the thing. With the Amberlin one, you may have seen some clips potentially going around our socials. It gets much more contentious. So you're going to want to listen to a little bit of a sneak peek of that here before we jump into our interview. Yeah. Uh, Make sure that you are following us on all of our social medias. You can see all the clips that we're posting of these videos and getting into conversations over there. You can find us on Instagram at Emo Social Club. You can find us on Twitter and TikTok at X Emo Social Club X. Uh, a lot of our clips are, are going viral, so be a part of it. Yeah, um, I mean, I we even really are. I mean, kind of. I mean, we at least got um, a clap, half a clap back from Atreyu, so there's that. Yeah, thanks, Atreyu. Yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, make sure to check out our YouTube channel, too, where you can watch the full video. We also have the videos of the interviews. Um, so you will also be able to see our faces and their faces and the faces of the bands when we talk about them. Sometimes it's cool to put, um, a face to a voice and then sometimes you're like, actually I'm good, but it's there for you to consume if you want. Yeah. Uh, and we'll have an interview with teens in trouble. So our interview with teens in trouble is in the later part of this episode. And we talk with, there's another Lizzie, very rare. Usually it's an abundance of Brian. Too many, too many Lizzie's. Honestly, too many Bryans, but I can never win that fight. It's upsetting. But we talk about um, their upcoming album that's coming out on March 29th via Asia Man Records. We talk about their collab with lead singer, the lead singer of Pup, which is awesome, and a bunch of other things in between. So really excited about it. If you like 90s post-punk kind of grungy garage rock, it's definitely going to be your vibe. And uh, obviously, the episode that we have here is not the full version of it. You can listen to the full version over on our Patreon. A lot of the stuff there is for free. It's uh, it's a dollar if you want to support us, but a lot of the stuff you can get for free. Uh, it's cut content. It's extra long interviews. It's the full version of them. Uh, so yeah, if you if you feel like supporting us and getting a little bit more info on Teens in Trouble, head on over to Patreon.com/slash/EmailSocialClub. All of our links and all of our deets are in the description of the pod and on all of our socials, so check it out there. But uh, yeah, that, that's that's enough from us. Let's go ahead. Let's get into it. This is our episode with Teens in Trouble and a little review of Anne Berlin's Never Take Friendship Personal. When We Were Young, 2024, all album plays. We are reviewing every album that's going to be played at the festival. 56 records. Uh, today's episode... We are talking about Anne Berlin, Never Take Friendship Personal. Lizzie. Yes. Tell me about this record. Damn. So this was Anne Berlin's second album and was released on February 1st, 2005 on Tooth and Nail Records, which if you're in the scene, you know what Tooth and Nail Records is about. It's Christian rock. This album was the first album that had the feel good drag on it. And it did have the thought in front of it. Originally, it was longer and it had more screams. It was a little bit more hardcore was that it was re-recorded to make shorter and more friendly for radio. It was actually put on their fourth album, New Surrender. So interesting thing about this now is that Stephen Christian is not singing with the band this yes. year. 
So Maddie Mullins of Memphis May Fire is going to be singing with the band. He's been posting himself doing some vocal covers of this record. I've, I've seen it and I've not watched it yet. Yeah. So now because they're playing this record at when we were young, it is curious they're not playing like New Surrender, which does seem to be the more mainstream record with the radio push on it. And I found it kind of interesting that you you switch out the singer and you play like a bit of an older record on this this tour. Yeah, I we we made a previous video about this and I'm still like unsure like what to expect. I've never listened really to Memphis Fire except for that one day we were like looking up and we're like, this is what it is. And we're like, okay, like it sounds like a generic metalcore Christian rock band. Active rock. Sorry. Hard and active it's rock. It's hard and active rock. Hard and active <laughs> rock nowadays. I wonder what it'll be like live. But I think from the top, um, Paper Than Him is a fantastic song. It's really fun to like dance to. If you listen to some of these other songs, like A Day Late, it is very like, this does sound like a Christian rock song. And you kind of sit there and you're like, but it's catchy. And you don't really think too much about it until, unless you're like thinking about it way too hard. <laughs> I also really do like um, Audrey Start the Revolution, which is three minutes, 24 seconds near the bottom of the album. I think it's like, I don't know. It's just like a really good, fun going song for me. And then their final track is a seven minute track. <laughs> But it wraps up the rest of the album really well, which is that dance dance, uh, Krista Pathigan one. And that's like to just to go straight into like top. That's one of my top songs on that album. This is my first time listening to this record. I did not like this record at all. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many moments of this where I'm like, is Anne Berlin trying to be pop punk or are they trying to be a heavy post hardcore screamo band? And they don't seem to know whether they want to do one or the other. There's a lot of parts where they have very like, trying to do catchy pop punk stuff. And I'm like, but you were just screaming like a minute ago. And it's not cohesive in a way like what a day to remember does where it's like everything just sort of blends and you have all of these influences coming together to make similar songs. It's like, no, you're making half this record, half this record. And then you're just like throwing them in, in, in a random order. Uh, but I think that's what just didn't stick with me because I'm hearing songs like, uh, these ones that I liked and feel good drag, which does feel good drag and paper thin him do feel like they're not, they don't belong on this record in a way. Like they are. Paper thin him was also written. one of my faves, but I yeah. wanted like not just put singles. Oh, same. I, I'm like, it's great. I, I also with paper thin him, the hook that I recognized, uh, who's going to call Sunday morning. Like yeah. that part is the hook. And then I realized, Oh, that's not the chorus. That's the pre-chorus. Yeah. But then the chorus is not as catchy as that part. And I'm like, what'd you do? Why'd you do what'd that? What'd you do this? Why'd Make you the hooky part, the hook. I know. I always remember that because that was the second Amberlynn song I ever heard yeah. in Paper Than Him. And I always like, like think back and I'm like, it's fun. It's a so fun, hard. it's a fun song and it, it's got bars, but it's, it's just surrounded by so much stuff that I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? A day late was <laughs> awful. Just awful. Do a lot of people actually know this album? I like I in think general, so. I think they're just pushing it because Maddie, I, that's going to be my assumption. I mean, looking at the date, it came out in 05. So it yeah. wouldn't be a full 20 year tour per se, unless right. they're going to kick off a 20 year tour in 2005. Yeah. After the end of this cycle, because I mean, that would make the most sense if they it do, would, do but that. I don't, yeah. I, I think maybe, yeah, if they do, uh, they're just building it up to do Maddie Mullins doing, uh, this as a tour for the year and God, no. Well, don't worry. New Surrender will get a maybe 20th anniversary rendition of it in 2027. Yep. So uh, we're going to look at some other reviews that also people wrote and people put out there on the internet about this record. 
starting with Amazon.com. Here we go. Here's a review from February 11, 2006. Benjamin gave it three stars. The title of the review is Let's Talk About Reviews. <laughs> it is funny how this CD is rated five stars at Amazon. I bought it, as others already said, because it was listed in an Amazon list as one of the best records of 2005. I read some reviews here, and most of them were talking about an amazing, awesome CD. One of the reviews by Kale Weatherly Damn. said, kind of disappointing. I should have trusted that one. This CD is absolutely disappointing. I am sorry, guys, but the problem is that the reviews may be written by people who just have absolutely different taste than me. So the whole problem is that trusting Amazon reviews is just a big mistake because I don't know who writes those reviews. Somebody younger or older than me, somebody with the same taste. Anyway, I was born in the early 70s, and I like almost <laughs> anything from mellow pop to heavy metal, including classical, opera, jazz, blues, classic rock, R&B, hip-hop, as you can see, almost anything. I like the music from the late 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and the music the bands record today. Not this one, though. I mean, I bought Maroon 5 because everybody was talking about them, and I liked the CD. I liked Hot Fuss by The Killers, too, so I don't live in the oldies. There should be a way at Amazon to know some important information about the person who writes the review, like age and taste. It would help me. I am sure many others like me to have an idea about the value of that review. I take my time to read a bunch of reviews before I buy a CD. And sometimes I really find great reviews. I always vote for them if I like them. But most of the reviews, like the ones saying most underrated album ever or best CD ever are just a waste of time. The way a review should be written should be one, who is writing the review? Of course, nothing personal, just a musical background. So we know what to expect. Two, comment on the CD and the band, previous albums, differences and similarities from this particular CD with others, instrumentation, composition, lyrics, influences in the history of rock, production, art, etc. And three, maybe the most important one, just in four to five lines, a conclusion that should state very clear if the writer of the review recommends this CD or not. Kind of like an essay. Well, all of this leads to my conclusion. I can't give this CD five stars because the history of rock will be the same without Anne Berlin. Come on, people. You know that. I am just listening to the CD right now, and I don't feel this guys are doing anything so special to deserve five stars. That is something else because I feel like people give five stars so easily. Four stars? No way at all because this is not a very good CD. I am giving this CD three stars because the music is okay, not bad. The lyrics are okay. The booklet is nice with a beautiful cover, and it is, my opinion, just an average CD. Two stars will be a bad CD and one an awful one. <laughs> Last thing to say is, do I recommend this CD to anyone? Absolutely not. That is my review. Three stars, and I don't recommend it to anyone. Thanks for reading, and don't take this personal. I don't even know who these guys are. <laughs> and now here's our interview with Teens in Trouble. Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast. I am Brian. And I'm Lizzie, and we're here with our new friend. There's another Lizzie here, Lizzie from Teens in Trouble. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, yeah, tell us about yourself. Tell us about the, the band. Tell us about... You know, what you do in the band and um, yeah. the whole life story, just everything from start <laughs> to finish. Oh, um, <laughs> well, I 
I'm the primary songwriter of Teens in Trouble. Um, Teens in Trouble, some, uh, it started off as a solo project uh, for myself in 2015 when I was in between jobs. So I do have a single that came out um, in 2015. And um, I was sort of, I started it to sort of play around with uh, figuring out my songwriting style. Um, prior to that, I was in a bunch of different punk bands. So all I really knew was yelling and power chords. So this is like the first time I've really had a band where I'm like trying to sing. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I put out a single and, and a B-side um, on like a seven inch. And, but since it was a solo project, I never went out to play shows with that full band. Um, so uh, it just sort of like came and went. And then I started uh, working full time somewhere and then music just kept getting put off and um, put off month after month after year after year. And it was kind of sad. Like I think around 2017, I had this sort of like feeling where I'm like, well, I guess that's it for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe that that's all I had left. Um, I, I, I wasn't really feeling inspired with like songwriting or anything like that. I think cause I was working so much. Um, so of course, when the pandemic happened in 2020, I started picking up songwriting again because uh, everything was slowing down work-wise and a lot of my friends who were in active bands um, were trying to figure out what to do um, with all these canceled tours and like their new time. And so one of my friends, another Lizzie. There's so many <laughs> of us. Uh, There's a person in this band <laughs> called Cardioid. Um, she started putting together these songwriting workshops during the pandemic and I decided to join one and started to develop more of a practice of like writing a song every week. And that's sort of how the first EP um, that we put out on Asian Man in like 2022 um, came to be. Like all those songs I started writing in these workshops. Um, and now it feels more like a band. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when I started, like I usually write all these songs on acoustic guitar and just like by myself. And then um, I had these set of songs um, and I was working with Mike Park at the time at Asian Man. And I was like, let me know what you think of these songs. <laughs> <laughs> and he liked them and he told me to put a band together. He uh, recommended that I start writing with um, Randy Moore who is in a bunch of different bands and also works with the label. Um, and then Randy played bass and lead guitar on a lot of the record. And he introduced me to Henry who plays drums on the record because they used to be in like this horror punk band together. Hell yeah. Um, and then we brought in my old friend, Mike Kuganor, who now plays guitar with Jeff Rosenstock. And so that's how that EP came to be. And then when we started working on the full length that's out later this year, um, we just got the same group of people again. Because <laughs> uh, I, I felt like we really had good chemistry and like, were sort of like on the same page or liked each other's ideas uh, with songwriting. So we got together again for the full length and I'm excited for everyone to hear it. Well, and also listening, cause Jamie was nice enough to send us um, an advance of the upcoming album and listening to it. 
it I, we can obviously really tell there's a lot of like that punk influence especially with everybody that you have now working within this band but what were some of your like personal inspirations when like developing some of these specific songs because it's also I feel like you go through a lot of different types of genres but it's all yeah. very cohesive <laughs> at the same time like I know it's the same artist and I know that the vibe and the theming is the same but they all just sound a little bit different to the ear yeah, it was interesting how that came together because when I was, um, you know, I, like after the EP came out, I just continued writing on a regular basis and like some songs seemed like um, good enough to to flesh out more and then there are other songs that are just going to stay forever in my voice memos. <laughs> um, but uh, I... I wasn't sure like how they'd all come together because they all seemed so different. But then I think once we got in the studio, there's sort of like this cohesive um, like vibe, I think. And I think a lot of like uh, the album <laughs> feels like a vibe for lack of a better term. Um, and at the time I was listening to a lot of, I, I, I think I generally listened to a lot of different things already, but especially during that time, I'm just hitting it really hard with like the OCs and <laughs> um, I wasn't listening to a lot of Weezer, but I feel like Weezer's always sort of like in my songwriting blood just because I, I grew up listening to uh, Blue Album and Pinkerton and Pinkerton was like the album that um, made me most excited about songwriting. Um, what else was I listening? Oh, I, was li I was listening to a lot of Pixies and like, I think towards um, the tail end of my writing before we got in the studio, I was listening to a lot of like guided by voices. Mm. <laughs> um, so I don't know, I went down this like sort of like 90s rock uh, era music. And then also just like a lot of um, sort of like garagey and just really like driving kind of music, like. I was listening to a lot of can too. So mm. I don't know. It's just like, and I think that's, that was my approach to the full length compared to like the, the previous EP where um, like in hindsight, the EP feels like really safe. And I feel like that's because that was like my first time back in the studio in a long time. Uh, I had just met Randy in person, even though like we've been collaborating um over email and like sending demos back and forth. Uh, that was my first time meeting Henry. And like, I've known Mike for a long time, but uh, we never really worked on music together. Um, so I was just like, <laughs> I was nervous, even though um, it was a definitely like a, a safe collaborative space. And um, once we like got to know each other more, when it came time to record the full length album, we were just like, really playing and working together and the thing i did differently was just trying to feel out every song like henry would play drums and i would play guitar along while we were recording his drums and i would like try to bob my head along to like the music and if i didn't feel like we were rocking we would have to like you know try <laughs> right to work that. on it more like okay <laughs> this is not rocking enough doesn't rock hard enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> And that's the thing I noticed too about like playing live shows is um, when we were playing the EP stuff live, it feels very just, it's just like, you know, very mid tempo, like 
<laughs> and and having been in like so many bands that just like thrashed all around before it's like no we need to rock harder <laughs> so that's sort of like when we started we, we did start playing some of the the new album stuff live and there's just like a huge difference in energy Hell yeah. Let's make sure that we uh, we we shout out the record coming out at the top here because we always are like, oh, right, right. There is a record. The debut album, What's Mine? It's out March 29th via Asian Man Records. Uh, I know we've just talked a lot about it, but is there anything else you want to be like, this is why you need to go listen to it and play it? All well, you can day. check out the first two singles out now. Um, you Don't Want to Mess With Me was the first one we released uh, in December. Stefan Babcock from Pups on it, which is incredible. And a playlist we just released um, in early January. And it's it's just a song about songs. And I think it rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I listened to it today. I was like, okay, it's a song about playlist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, uh, dog, I heard you like songs. So. Yeah, I heard you like, <laughs> like songs, so worry, I made a song about songs with the songs in it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's it's a universal uh, thing, right? Like, now, I, I guess with, like, how Spotify algorithms work, having your song playlist on a playlist would actually help. <laughs> uh, just, like, SEO and algorithmically, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even really think about that. I just, like, when I wrote that song, it was just, I, I love when people share playlists with mm -hmm. me and it's it, I feel like the only time I am able to really discover music is when someone else recommends it to me mm -hmm. otherwise I'll listen to the same thing over and over again yep. <laughs> um so that that's sort of what playlist is about um and yeah we we did something really fun with the video where um, I was just showing some of my favorite record and had a bunch of friends who uh joined in the video so it's we have some of my studio band members in the video and like some folks from like other asian man bands um but yeah hell yeah i mean that's always really fun um uh, but i also wanted to know because you have obviously you've worked with pup which is fantastic they're such a great <laughs> band but when you were trying to decide some of these singles because at least for myself listening to some of these singles i was like oh, this could be like a next single or this could be like a fourth release single because it sounds really catchy. And I'm like, this just makes sense to my dumb little brain. But how did you <laughs> make the ultimate decisions of what would be a single and what would just be a surprise for everybody else on the upcoming album? Yeah, that was such a hard decision. I feel like the thing, the songs that I thought would be the singles are didn't did not end up really being the singles <laughs> maybe like one of them but um like there's a song called uh brave on the record that i really liked and i thought that would be a single um it's just it's just a very like um it's a vulnerable song but i feel like it it just has like this energy like this powerful energy to it for, um, I don't know. I can't really, it's hard to describe like <laughs> different <laughs> songs. Um, but, uh, you don't want to mess with me when we were writing that, um, and then recording it in the studio, uh, we had not really thought about having a guest on it 
Um, so I hadn't even talked to Stefan about the song when we were writing or recording it. And when we had at least close to a finished recording of it, I was like, something's missing. <laughs> like it, I feel like it rocks, but it does, it's, I don't know. There's like some like, uh, like attitude that it's missing. Hmm. And, um, I thought about Stefan because I had recently, like, this was in January last year, I went to their show uh, where they did that, like, Long Beach Arena show with Jeff Rosenstock and uh, Joyce Manor, and it was awesome, and it's just, like, I think I was, like, going down this, like, pup rabbit hole of listening to all the records, and I was, like, it needs, like, that kind of yelling, (laughs) and I was, like... Maybe I should ask him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and like, I never really met, I never met him in person, um, but he started following Teens in Trouble after uh, our first single on Asian Man came out. I'm not worried. And I think because like him and Huguenot are friends um, and, you know, played shows together. And around the time that I was thinking about this, I was also like talking to a friend who's, um, he, he's, like in the touring band for Caroline Rose, but also writes his own music. And um, we were just chatting about like collaborators and he's like, you should just like think about the people you want to uh, do a song with. And like, um, when you reach out to them, like make sure you have something that like makes sense for them. But the, like, you should just ask and like the worst thing that can happen is they say no and then you're just back at where you were (laughs) so i'm like that sounds wild but i'll try it and um i asked him and he was down so i think the song sounds so good and like he just adds like a whole new layer of like um i don't know it's it's just it just feels like more powerful so it's good to know you probably didn't pitch saying like, hey, we have Weezer vibes and we want to Weezer you because I think that would have been also very funny. But <laughs> <laughs> thinking ahead as well, because you have this upcoming album coming out, um, one, can we ever get Teens in Trouble opening for Pup? And two, could we ever get you, uh, when is like the kind of tour trajectory that you guys may be thinking about in 2024? Yeah, um, well, Opening for Pup would be incredible. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. We can cut this and send um, it over to, to him real quick. Yeah, like, I'll, hey. I'll just like <laughs> manifest it in my brain. But um, as far as touring goes, um, we definitely have some shows lined up for this year. Um, and with the album coming out, we definitely want to, uh, you know, play more places around the U.S. and Canada. And, um, you know, we just announced that we will be opening for our expandits um, for their 20th anniversary tour of the resignation. And so I'm excited about that. That's in Phoenix. And um, we're also playing Belltown Bloom in Seattle, uh, which is another like two day festival in um, in Seattle, May 4th and 5th. Um, but we definitely like we played Chicago for the first time uh, last October on the road to fest. Um, so we want to do that again. And yeah, I mean, uh, I just moved to, I'm based in Raleigh, North Carolina now. Mm. And um, 
coming from California, it's the the biggest difference to me was like there are so many more states on this side. <laughs> so it's like, whoa, you can play all these places and just like drive there. That's you yeah. don't have just ridiculous. one mega state and then to the south you have another mega state and then you're like, I guess this is all that exists here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You just like play twenty different cities in California. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean that's like it's it's one state of a bunch of different like small locations that you would drive to versus like we're playing in uh in in philadelphia for example we have some friends from like the area and it's like we're playing philly and then it's like oh well, i'm driving over from you know another state entirely because that's the closest show to yeah. me and like <laughs> what do you mean if you're not coming to chicago we're not seeing you <laughs> like i won't be able to make the show they're like milwaukee it's like where is that where <laughs> yeah we go to Milwaukee all the time for yeah, shows if we have to. Yeah, but... I, I, I made the drive from Chicago to Milwaukee before. It's not yeah, that bad. That's not that bad. You want to know what's crazy? Yeah. Um, apparently, like the new thing is people are like, oh, what is technically Chicago and Chicagoland? There, people are starting to include Milwaukee into no. it because we're so close. That's people who are not from Chicago wild. who are like, I want to be included in Chicago. That's crazy. No. I like read that. I'm like, yo, what do we mean? Like, I know they're right there, but that's that's not right. Yeah. Our scene is very gatekeepy about whether you're in Chicago or not. Like I could see that. I mean, yeah. this, I had experienced the same thing being from the Bay Area. It's mm -hmm. like you're either you're from San Francisco or you're like not. And but then <laughs> people who are like in Daly City, which is like a small suburb south of San Francisco, like 20 minutes away, mm -hmm. you know, might say San Francisco because no one knows Daly City unless you're like from the Bay Area, right? um but yeah it's the same thing it's like that's not san francisco <laughs> i wonder i assume that's like a thing with like every scene is like you have yeah. the city you have your like i live there i work there i am there and so if you're like not from here and you like drive back to your suburb home it's like no you're not you're not living yeah. the life that i'm living you're not existing I'm not sure in the plane that's a that thing I am. here in raleigh yeah yeah but yeah time will tell time will tell yeah it might be different because there's more places that you can just drive to in other states and stuff and it's like we don't need yeah. to be so gatekeepy <laughs> about location i guess yeah you get all the shows that can you know very quickly drive to another state so you don't need to uh yeah worry so much about whether they're coming to your you know neighborhood down the street from your yeah. from where you live which for us it's like yeah if you're not down the street i can't make it sorry <laughs> Oh, you're not at that venue that's like uh, you know, a bus ride away. Sorry, I'm not gonna not gonna make that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess like here in, in Raleigh, there's like or yeah, they they call it like the triangle area. So mm -hmm. there's Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill. And to me coming from the Bay Area, it seemed like, oh, all these places are so close together. Like, of course I'm gonna go see a show in Durham. Of course I'm gonna go see a show in Chapel Hill. <laughs> And then now it's like, oh, I have to drive 20 minutes. <laughs> it's like, ooh. Um, I'm going to skip around a little bit because we have a question about local scenes. So I wanna, I'll want i ask that question now since we're already on the topic. Um, so where you're from originally in the Bay Area or or Raleigh and, and North Carolina now, uh, maybe this is an easier question for where you're from in the Bay Area. But what is the scene like there? Like bands that are in the area or bands that like you grew up with or bands that came from there that you love? The only one I really know is Metallica. <laughs> like, I know this other <laughs> Did you one. Well, the Metallica documentary. Uh, a long time ago. Or if you're talking about some kind of monster, I did. Yeah. Or if you're, there's a new one? one. I think that was the one. Yeah. When we're there, I just in... watched it for the first time, like 
in October, the band decided to watch it um, when we were staying in Atlanta before the fest. But yeah, I, I always, I don't know. Something about that band does not stick in my brain as like a San Francisco band. Or yeah. Are they from San Francisco? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're from. Uh, That's like yeah. shocking. I, I did not know that. I I know too much about where bands are from as though it's like we're not watching the Super Bowl where everybody like normally knows like, oh, yeah, this guy's from that team and this and there's this many points. Yeah. And I'm like, Metallica's from the Bay Area. This band is from that area. That's the <laughs> like, fun yeah, fact. Um, it's easy. Now it's easier to answer that question about Raleigh just because um, when I moved here, and I moved here like right before the pandemic started, mm -hmm. um, but they just have like a, a real, like the thing that was really cool and exciting about living here is that uh, they just have a really vibrant, active music scene. And like I moved here in April 2019 and like, joined a band in like august <laughs> that yeah. same year um just like trying to get back into it so i joined this like post-punk band um from like these guys that i met on craigslist <laughs> <laughs> and they're like let's just start a band thankfully they were not weirdos <laughs> not not like dangerous weirdos right they are weirdos for sure <laughs> but um uh yeah and then like just started playing a bunch of shows right away and you know of course we had to take a break with the pandemic but then once things started opening back up again it was just like you could just play shows so easily and I, I felt like that was kind of missing like my last few years in San Francisco and you know obviously a lot of things have changed about the city over the years and like things are way more expensive there used to be so many DIY venues and like they just keep getting shut down one after the other um so like I, I played with a bunch of different bands in the Bay Area, um, like through high school and like just after high school. Um, so there were like always like the same like local bands in the scene. Shinobu was one of them, which is how I met um, Mike Huguenor. We played a bunch of shows together and there's like this band called the Muckruckers in San Jose. Um, I feel like the OCs, I, I, they are from San Francisco, but I feel like we were like in a battle of the bands together a long time ago. <laughs> I was about to say, the OCs have uh, been I remember seeing for a their little name bit. around, yeah. and yeah. then like, now it's all come full circle, where it's like, man, I like, they're one of my favorite bands. Like, I feel like we played together before. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, there, I don't know, there, there's a lot of like different micro scenes within the Bay Area. So like we're mostly in like just the sort of like DIY punk slash like Asian man records family, even though like at that time I had never met Mike Park, but I was, I felt like that scene was always in my orbit. And then, um, then I started a band with a friend in like 2012, no, 2011. Uh, that was like a chiptune punk band. Oh, hell <laughs> so yeah. Then we were in the scene with like all these chiptune people who were like <laughs> making music on Game Boys and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But then like after like I had left that scene and I started Teens in Trouble like as a solo project, I felt like, I don't know, I was sort of disconnected from the rest of the community. Like I didn't know who were like, similar artists anymore at the time i think because i like 
got in this like chiptune bubble. <laughs> um, so now that I moved out of California and like, um, and Teens in Trouble is like the band that it is now, I'm hearing about all these other bands that are in the Bay Area. I'm like, whoa, where were all these people before <laughs> when I was living there? Like, why were you hiding? <laughs> yeah. How do you find more than one chiptune band? <laughs> I'm like in my mind, it's like uh, I fight dragons, which came from Here. Chicago. Yeah, um, like, that's the um, one. Amanaguchi too. Yeah, true. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. Amanaguchi. We played a show with Amanaguchi. My my chiptune band did. That was like our first. That's so sad. Yeah, that's it was incredible. <laughs> but um, then I think we got banned from playing with them. I don't know why. But someone told me like, oh, uh, Amanaguchi's management said you can't play with them anymore. I'm like, what? what? Were you better <laughs> than them? <laughs> like. <laughs> I, I don't know so. wild we're gonna have to get to the bottom of that yeah yeah <laughs> listen hard call out let's find out um are there any bands uh in raleigh that you're like that you've been checking out that you you want to shout out or anybody that you know that's like they're yeah. doing something really cool over oh there? my god there's so many but um the one the first one that comes to mind is bangs it's b-a-n-g-z-z and it's <laughs> yeah. just like this duo punk band there's like um they're both women drummer and guitarist and like they just rock and uh yeah y'all should check them out but we're gonna be we played a bunch of shows with them around here over the last year or so um but they're also going to be playing that belltown bloom festival with us in may so shout outs to bangs uh, <laughs> <laughs> um my sister mora is a, another cool like raleigh-based band and they're uh they're a shoegaze ish band i, I feel like i'm really bad with genres but i mean I, if you say shoegaze it's shoegaze. in right now with the kids it's really so. in. yeah yeah. I, yeah I think they're all like uh like nc state students um but uh they also have like a badass asian woman guitarist so that like speaks to me <laughs> as another <laughs> asian woman guitarist so um back in may we were doing this tour um and we started a show in raleigh and because like may's asian american heritage month um i put together the showcase with like he's in trouble uh bangs played and so did my sister mora so that was just like a nice special show oh yeah oh that's really cool that's really cool yeah now thinking also about some of the music that you have put out and who you've already collabed with is there anybody specifically you would want to try to collaborate in the future that maybe you are going to just shoot your shot again and see what happens? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's so funny that you asked because I was like writing this down like not that long ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's on my phone somewhere, but um, I would really love to like do something with Caroline Rose. Um, mm. She just has, or yeah, Caroline has. Um, I don't know. I've seen their evolution from like their first record, which was more like alt country, I think. And now they're more like synthy pop. And I don't feel like I'm going to make like synth pop music exactly, but it'd be nice to like incorporate some of those elements. So I think that's the exciting thing about writing with people. It's like, even if you have different styles, like something interesting can come from that. And um, like, for instance, playlist isn't 
like a groundbreaking song <laughs> by any means, but it was like the first time we really incorporated synth in our songs, and I thought that was super fun. It can always add like a really cool layer to it. And I think also because yeah. I do like Caroline Rose too. I saw her when she played Riot this year, and I was like, this is weird because she is like that alt country at that time. So I was thrown off a little bit. But I think to see that new evolution of it, it just one, it's kind of going a little bit with the trend to get like a little bit more people in. Mm -hmm. But I think you can be so much more dynamic with the way that you use it in a lot of different music that it doesn't have to be just like one middle of the road way to do it. Yeah. And yeah, I I don't know. Like, I guess when I'm writing songs, um, especially lately, I'm not thinking about like the genre really. It's usually like what feels good at the time. And sometimes like, you know, I guess like in 2015 when I'm when I wrote Santa Monica, I was like really into this beach <laughs> beachy type <laughs> like mood. And I was listening to a lot of Best Coast at the time and um, you know, with the um the twenty twenty two EP, um I don't know what I was thinking about really. At the time I was listening to like um King Con and Barbecue show a lot and I feel like some of those influences are in like are in the song decomposing which is a little bit more um it there's definitely like garage slash psych rock influences in that song um and then going into to what's mine the new album um yeah I don't know it's it's more like the feeling <laughs> Um, so, so one thing I've been thinking about, especially with like, okay, what's next after this album? Like, I can't, it's hard to think of like, like, I feel like maybe the style could change drastically and then maybe some people will like it and maybe some people won't, but I don't know. It's just, I'm just trying to feel what's right for me. I remember back in the day on the topic of synthesizers when all these punk bands would get like major label signing and they would put synths in the music and all their fans would go, it's sold out, done. (laughs) And I was like thinking of an example and I was like, well, Asian Man Records, like Alkaline Trio was one of the bands that did that. Oh, really? Uh, Because when they did Crimson, I remember everybody was like, they sold out. They used to be this punk band and used to just rock hard. And now they're like adding all these like synths and they're going this emo route and they're wearing makeup. And I was like, I really like this record actually. It's really (laughs) good. (laughs) It's like just better songwriting. My friend Randy who, um, so he produced the EP um, and played bass and guitar on it, but also produced uh, this full length and also played bass and guitar and some synth but when we were demoing these songs like he started like adding these synth lines like wait what is happening here (laughs) like i kind of like this it was just like something i hadn't really thought about and then it's kind of funny like i felt like he was adding synth to like everything for me i was like no no no. okay that's too much (laughs) there there is such a thing as too much synth and we do have to dial it back (laughs) i'm on the side of like because i when I was in a band, I was writing all the synthesizer parts. Like, so I would record the whole band and just go, cool, I'm just going to mess around with this. And I was like adding like a lot and I'm like, yeah, nothing's coming out. So you guys got to work around it. So sorry. <laughs> and now like, uh, I was, I was hanging out in the studio with a couple friends and we were like, just kind of goofing around and writing some stuff. And it, like friend wrote a riff and I'm like, 
This needs um, this needs like DJ scratches, like Limp Biscuit style. Oh, um, no. oh my god! We're gonna need to put the record scratches. Where I can do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm just like obsessed with new metal in a way where I'm just like I need that somehow in there, but. Yeah, I'm definitely the person who's like, we're finding the weirdest synth. We're finding the most random thing to throw in here. And we're just going to yeah. toss it in there and people will be like, what is happening? But yeah, well, I mean, like in high school, I really loved like, um, well, some of my favorite bands were the Get Up Kids. And so from listening to the Get Up Kids, I'd listen to Reggie and the Full Effect. And yep. that was just like all yep. synth and amazing. And I really liked um uh, you know, some of the Weezer B-sides where they had since. So um, I don't know if that was like Rivers or Matt Sharp, but when Matt Sharp broke off to start the rentals, like that was another like synth heavy band that I liked. Um, was an, I felt like there was another one. Yeah, and all I hear right now in my head is like, I just threw out the love of my dreams. I was just about to, I was like thinking that. I was like, oh my yeah, God. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> So when are we going to get a Teens in Trouble cover of any Weezer song, specifically anything from Pinkerton? <laughs> oh, my God. Because I love Pinkerton, oh, so I get it. Oh, my God. We, uh, we, we did, like, a West Coast tour in December, um, and this was uh, to promote um, the split we did with Desert Mambas. Um, but during our last two shows of the tour, which was in Portland and Seattle, we all... Um, we all covered El Scorcho. So there's a video of that somewhere. I think I need to upload it. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's hard. Maybe, yeah, that'd be, that'd be fun to record. Um, we also, oh, I don't know if it's still on my SoundCloud, but <laughs> uh, I did do a cover of Jamie, the, one of the Weezer B-sides. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. Do we, do we need to fight over which is better, Blue Album or Pinkerton on the pod? Pinkerton. Yeah, it's Pinkerton. It's Blue Album. No, it's we, Blue Album, guys. I'm so sorry. I'm so it's sorry. Two, first of all, it's two against one. It's two Lizzie's I, against Brian. One it. Brian. It's, I'm, combining, I'm combining all Lizzie opinions into one opinion, so it's actually only 1v1. Oh, damn, so it just cancels each other Any out. Lizzie has said this, yeah. All right, well, I'll I'll know when I'm losing, and I'll step back from my opinion, <laughs> even though I'm right. No. <laughs> I, I think I, I just, like, really love the rawness of uh, Pinkerton, like, Blue album is incredible. We'll, we'll just settle that. It's, yeah. it's a great album. They're both, yeah. Pink, <laughs> Pinkerton, yeah, and, and you know, I think like like a lot of music for um, people, it's just like a time and a place. So like for me, when I first heard Pinkerton, I was like sixteen and like not having a good time, <laughs> and um, I my friend let me borrow his Pinkerton CD. And I listened to it and I just remember like being at my, like in my living room and listening to it. And I was like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> and just like listening to it over and over again and just like analyzing every single little like guitar note and like the solos and um, like I'd call over my younger sister and be like, oh my God, listen to this, listen to this. And then like play back the solo like, isn't that crazy? <laughs> Can you believe they're doing that on this album? <laughs> I don't have an argument. I'm, I'm like trying to think of like, yeah, but like on the blue album, when they say my name is Jonas, like, oh my God. we've all been there, you know? We've all been there. Yeah. 
Oh my I, god, he's carrying the wheel. It's so he's deep. carrying the wheel, dude. And then it's like uh, you know the, the other ones. Uh, <laughs> when when you you know uh, we, I'm like just like Buddy Holly. Uh, I don't us. have good arguments about Only it. Only in dreams, though. That is just like a yeah. devastating song. Oh my yeah. god, it so is. Good. It's just like oh my god. Like now I'm like really depressed, yeah. even more so than I already was when I started listening to the album. God. Yeah. Thinking about my favorite that- song on that record is in the garage. Yeah. Oh my god, it's such a good song too. Yeah. I'm so happy there's more Pinkerton fans out there because I, I the same reason I like it is like how you do it too is like it's very raw, and it's just more like that grudgy, crunchy punk sound that I really like mm-hmm. that you don't find like very often in the mainstream, if at all. And like they just did it yeah. very well. <laughs> yeah, and the thing that I like too about just how like um, I don't know if this like is related to the rawness of it, but the thing that stuck with me the most about those solos was I just never really heard guitar solos like that that felt like they had their own emotion and Mm. so I don't know it was like even the the short solo in like El Scorcho where it's like it just I don't know it it has its own like personality (laughs) (laughs) that's interesting and you're right because I I feel like guitar solos maybe before that like from the 80s and like early 90s is like look how much i can shred look how good i am and like so on the vocalist and lyricist you're like i have to you know exude this emotion in the music and i have to give you a reason to come back to the shows but the guitarist gets to go hey look at this cool thing i can do and then just like rips (laughs) a solo and you're like what did you bring to it it's like nothing but my talent my raw skill you know look at my fingers go play guitar so fast you're so fast (laughs) and so good and it's like yeah i'm going back to see that and then you know motley Crue is just like shout out the devil and i was like i'm like all right <laughs> it's like where's the emotion? Is that exactly that? how a Motley Crue? Yeah, goes? that's so crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Randy um, told me something interesting when we were on this last tour, uh, which he heard recently. So I feel like it was like the the passing of knowledge. <laughs> but like, uh, there's a song that I wrote called Sharon that's on um, the Split EP about my therapist ghosting me but there's this like really <laughs> cool guitar well i think it's cool uh guitar solo in it um and so we started playing like it's just like this dual lead solo thing so me and lead guitarist um sim who's in this band called albert square and he's also played guitar in um kitty cat fan club on asian man records but he's been like our touring guitarist and so we would like do this so like dual lead solo um, for that song Sharon live, and Randy was telling me like the solo is sort of like um, it should be treated as like another voice or like mm-hmm. another like vocal line. So there is like emotion to it, and um, yeah, you just have I, it's hard to explain, <laughs> but it's like you have to just like emote with the the guitar notes, which made total sense to me. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm about to tell all the guitarists I work with, like, what is the emotion you're bringing to this? When you hit these chords, <laughs> what do you really feel? throw them off. I could what see you saying that to some to of them. Yeah, what do you What do you want to tell me with this riff? It's like, I know it's yeah. cool. It's like, no. What do you want to tell me? I know what the ones that you would be talking to, and they would just be like, what is wrong with you? No, they would. Yeah, they're literally like, I have, I've only worked with guitarists who are like, no, but look how cool I can do this. Like, look how fast I can shred. It's like. I, I, this is me coming from like the metal the metal core scene like from back in nice. the day I just being like okay it literally is just like showing off 
This is also because, you know, <laughs> a bunch of dudes get in a room together and it's like, look at this. And like, I don't know, you look at this and you look at this. It's like, God, God, we, you're not writing a song anymore. We're writing yeah. how cool we all are. It's no wonder no one wants to listen to it. It's like, <laughs> the songs might suck because we don't say anything. You're just like, yeah, look at this riff. No one cares. Maybe it's a vibe to them. <laughs> I, I it, it definitely is. And I mean, I liked it, but then I'm like, well, yeah, it's yeah. my own. You listen to your own music and you're like, yeah, this is rad. And everyone else is like, I'm glad you're having fun. Like, All right. <laughs> oh, Brad, I know. It oh, sucks. No. I'm like, I take it as a compliment. I'm like, you're right. I am. And this isn't for yeah. you. This is for another audience. And one day I'll, like, I'll I figure like out who me. they are. Yeah. <laughs> I like the work I put in on this. I put emotion yeah. into it. And my guitarist put a bunch of notes. <laughs> <laughs> what is the most emo song you're listening to right now? An emo can most be emo literally song. anything you think of too. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I have, I feel like there's so many. Um, The first one that comes to mind uh, is that song "The Adults Are Talking" by The Strokes. Hmm. Do you know? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I haven't really listened to a lot of The Strokes um, other than like last night and like whatever the other yeah. hits are. <laughs> That's fair. And um, so, "The Adults Are Talking" is like the first Strokes song I heard in a while, and I don't know something about it hit me. In a way, we're like, um, like a lot of the way he's like singing in the beginning of the song is just very sort of like one note, not like in a bad way, but just like that's the vibe of the song. Yeah. But then like towards the end, he starts like going into this falsetto, and it's just like, and like, I don't know, that mixed with like what the instruments are doing just like really got me. Um, so that is my answer. <laughs> it's just like every time I listen to it, I just like. I, I'm I'm in some feelings for sure. Yeah, that is the first time I've ever heard somebody say the Strokes for emo song. <laughs> I like. I mean, we right. we think anything could be emo. Um, you had the Split EP, which is already out. So when people are listening to this, they can already check out some of your music. The Split EP with Desert Mama came out in November. Uh, so let's at least you know let people know where they can listen to that now. While they get anticipated yeah, to, to the it new record, on all streaming platforms, where we ha- we got it on Bandcamp, on Apple Music, on Spotify, <laughs> on uh, Title and Deezer. <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, or at least that's what they tell me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that says. that was a super fun thing to do. Uh, I I had just it's actually kind of backwards because I recorded that after I finished recording the debut album. Um, so like we recorded what's mine in March, 2023. And I was just like, so high off, like just being in the studio and like, this is so fun and awesome. And I want to keep doing this. And I called up my friend Bailey who, um, Desert Mambas is their solo project. Um, and I was like, we should, we should write a song together. And Bailey's like, what if we did a split? And I was like, what if we did a split EP? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like one thing led after another. And like, so this was like late March, early April, we were talking about this. Um, and then in July, I went back into the studio and recorded two songs for, so it's um, Winter in the Trap and Sharon. And then Bailey recorded their songs in like August. And then we put it out in October. 
I think no in November we put out in November so it was just like this like eight month sprint of let's just do this thing and uh it's funny I just talked to Bailey earlier today we were just talking about like doing more shows together um I feel like we had we just like match each other's energy in terms of like if we know we want to do something we'll just like go ahead and do it mm-hmm. um so who knows we might both be rolling through chicago Hell <laughs> yes. oh yeah bailey has that song um bailey's song on or one of the songs on the split is bailey's notes from chicago so shout out shout there out we go chicago. see it all comes back together <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can let us know where people can find you on the internet where people can listen to everything obviously you mentioned Bandcamp and all that uh, if there's a best place for people to go to listen to your music and support you, we obviously want to promote that as the the best place to go. Um, so yeah, where can people find you and how can people support you? Um, I, I well, I'll just plug in our website, which is teensintrouble.net.com was too expensive. Damn. Um, but uh, that that has everything on there. I usually keep it updated, but we have all our streaming links on there. Um, I will put in a plug to subscribe to our YouTube channel because we've been putting out videos lately and um, we have a, a new single coming out. The final single, I guess, <laughs> I was like, this is this the final single for the the album? Um, there's this, this is the third single, which is um, going to be out on February 22nd and there'll be a video for that too. Perfect. Awesome. And make sure to pick up the record. From pre-order it. Pre-order it. Pre-save uh, on Spotify. <laughs> uh, the record comes out March 29th called What's Mine. Make sure to check it out. Um, yeah. And uh, if you're if you're listening to this, make sure you're subscribing and make sure you're following and make sure you're liking posts and hearting and TikToking. And Telling your friends. God, I feel ancient. If you're on TikTok, tell me how to use it. Yeah. <laughs> Honest, honestly, same. I've been like diving into it like in the last couple of weeks and i'm like i hate i this. feel like i should be having like like glasses at the tip yeah. of my nose like yes. trying to figure like figure out how to use tiktok yeah brian was telling me he's like it's so hard not to go on and just like look all the time at like the notifications or anything that comes in i'm like yeah because sometimes it just doesn't notify you so you just open yep. it up and it's like oh it's like 20 likes and all this other stuff and you're like where did this come from i don't I'm, get it i'm I'm loving it. I'm loving the attention that our TikToks are getting. But then I like start scrolling and I go, I hate this. And I like don't watch it. I'm only posting. And I'm like, this feels a little better <laughs> and yet still awful. Uh, and I'm still figuring it out because I don't know how to use it. Um, but yeah. I, someone told me like, you just can post whatever and post it repeatedly. And I was like, it's, it's so much work. It is. It is. But there are so many bands who literally are like, here's a clip of our song and I'm just going to keep making different videos for this 10 second clip and posting them over and over again. And I'll go to their page and I'll scroll through and it's literally just the same song. And I'm yeah. like, this is so annoying. Why do I love this song? <laughs> like it works, <laughs> but I, I like my, yeah. my, cr- my content creation brain is like, I hate what you're doing. I hate it. I can't stand <laughs> that you did this, but then I'm like, I, it must work. So I, we need to do it now. <laughs> yeah. It maybe, sucks. maybe I'll start. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we'll see you on TikTok, and uh, yeah. Uh, well, Lizzie, thank you for being on and uh, and hanging yeah, out with us. Thank you all. Yeah. Thank you for checking out this episode of the Emo Social Club podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to head over to your podcasting platform of choice. Give us five stars, nothing less. Yeah, we won't accept anything less. Otherwise, Brian's gonna come for you in the DM somehow. <laughs> I'll find you. I will DM <laughs> you. Uh, only if you come at me first with a three. 
three or below review. I'll take four. Okay. But really, it's fine. You're compromising here in your head. Yeah. Most apps, when you like rate something at four stars, it's like, why isn't it five? And we feel the same way here. Yeah. It's like, like, why not just bump it up to five? It's know? like, what, what made the, this isn't a service thing. Like, it's not like, oh man, this was great. Except I didn't like you raise the prices. What? You don't like that? Yeah. We, I don't know. Herself. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, let us know what you thought of this episode on all of our social media. And uh, obviously, as we mentioned before, you have the Patreon if you want to support us a little bit. And you can listen to the full episode of the Teens in Trouble interview. And you can also see some cut content from all of our other videos that we posted over on our YouTube channel. So we've got a lot of cool stuff over there if you're a fan of the club, if you're a fan of the pod, uh, and if you just want to keep the lights on at uh, Emo Social Club HQ. It's, it is a lot to have as many lights that are fun I colored. have a lot of lights, to be fair. Yeah. Brian does enjoy uh, a hair light. That's, you know, he's costing we, we us money. We recently invested in hair lights. And uh, if you don't know what that is, give us $1 <laughs> on our Patreon and I'll explain it to you. Brian will personally send you a video of him explaining what a hair light is. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, we'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of the Emo Social Club podcast. Until then, from all of us here, I am Brian. And I'm Lizzie. Goodbye! Uh, I had a show this weekend. I sound like I had a show this weekend. Ah!